morning. This is Moss Whelan and Story in Mind. Just getting out for the morning walk. It's another damp Vancouver day. Umbrella is up and the legs are walking. <clears throat> Topic? I was thinking of a return to <clears throat> talking about the uh, desk, uh, the desk or the, the writing setup. The, um, the place where we do creative work and I started thinking about all of the, the different desks that I've had over the years or, uh, and the different types of writing instruments that I've had um, in case I forget I have a I believe it's called a Waterman uh, fountain pen. And for a while, I had I had this uh, infatuation with my pen. So I was, you know, doing everything, uh, writing everything with this fountain pen. And I still have it, but I've I've gotten out of the habit. And it was it was just it was just interesting. It was sort of connecting with fountain pens of the past. Uh, I've, I've had some hand-me-down old, you know, hundred-year-old, um, the, the pens where you, you put the nibs in, so you have like a stick, and uh, then you put these nibs in there. And <laughs> they're, they're not that great. It, it's interesting using them because you you get a feeling of what it was like. Like there's a kind of pace, you know. You, you know, you dip your uh, you dip your your pen and you know do a little scratching, scratch, 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 and then you have to you have to dip again. <clears throat> and yeah, so it's a it's a different. It's a different feel, it's a different uh, kind of pace. I don't know if you've seen, say, uh, Chinese calligraphy, but there's a, a kind of element of that there. And, uh, say, using ink out of a bottle. Uh, and it, it got me thinking about calligraphy. Sometimes I'll come across a video of, of uh, somebody who's trying out calligraphy, you know, and writing stuff, and it looks medieval, uh, or experimenting with it, creating something new. Uh, Another writing instrument that I've had, I still have. It's a, a manual typewriter. Uh, my first manual typewriter. Uh, what, like, uh, I've had a, a number of manual typewriters. The first, the first ones were not mine. Uh, my stepfather had a uh, an underwood. And it was—it just sat there, like maybe he used it at one time. Um, I—I I think he got it because of the the novelty of it, and it was an antique even when he got it. So he's got this uh, hundred hundred year old. Is it a hundred year old? Maybe when he got it, it was say sixty years old, and. Uh, I got a hold of this thing and uh, created a, a newsletter, and uh, this was when I was 
maybe a young teenager, maybe something like 10. And I, I really liked, I really liked writing. And so I wanted to do this newsletter because uh, I had seen some other ones that my, uh, that family friends had put together. So I thought I would do this. So I asked my stepfather for uh, advice about what to put into it. And so he gave me a bunch of uh, lurid suggestions. And, and, and I, I wrote everything down and uh, made copies. And uh, the, these lurid stories were read by people who... Uh, it, no, it was about them. They got really upset, and uh, because of this, the uh, the Underwood uh, was was sold in a garage sale. Uh, so that was my my first taste of uh, the power of literature. <laughs> if you don't uh, if you don't gauge yourself. Uh, so I, I could have been a reporter. And the next uh, typewriter was uh, a grandmother's. It was a red royal manual typewriter. And I lugged that around for a while. That was in my 20s. And then I, and then I picked up uh, my own uh, typewriters, and eventually, uh, the last one I sort of settled on was, uh, it's a green, uh, Hermes, and it's, it's pretty sleek, like, it's, it's not, um, it's not sort of boxy, it's, uh, pretty compact, and the, the case is, uh, metal. So it's... Anyways, it's it's more for nostalgia at this point, because uh, it, it, it does... Um, it's not as easy to use uh, for a couple reasons. Uh, why? Just sort of like... Um, just general wear and tear. My uh, it, my hands get uh, tired and achy uh, more than they did, and so that's something I've noticed. You know, it's much easier to use a uh, computer keyboard, and uh, but it is uh, it is quite nice. Say yeah, the sound, uh, the the nostalgia, the the his, the history that is there, and just things like say you get an instant hard copy. Um, yeah, it it reminds me sort of like a self winding watch where you don't need batteries. You know this. Um, amazing, bizarre uh, technology, sort of clockwork, right? And you can still buy those watches. They, they still get made, self-winding watches. Uh, of course, you pay, you pay but uh, it's, it's sort of like, say, having a fountain pen. It's cool, you know. Uh, everybody else is... Uh, relying on batteries. The only problem would be, say, if, if, you know, there's some kind of damage to the watch and you'd have to take it in for repairs. But that's, in my mind, that's much more of an heirloom than a, um, a watch uh, with a battery. And so... I wonder if they still make a, a wind-up uh, wind watches. 
I wonder if they still make manual typewriters. There's got to be some kind of company out there that still makes typewriters. Okay, onto the workspace. So the, the workspace that I have right now is in a corner of a room. It has this interesting effect. Uh, I think I, I was mentioning, talking with uh, another writer on Twitter, uh, Christine, and she has, she's also in a, in a corner. And it has an interesting effect. Like, say, I, I've seen some writers have uh, their desks against a, uh, a wall and uh, against, uh, like, say, facing a window. With uh, Usually there's a, a pretty nice view outside. And there's kind of a, a pro and con to that. Um, I don't, I don't want distraction. <laughs> um, part of, part of my process, part of my, part of what I do is I screw in um, earplugs. I have a box of earplugs, and I. I, I actually wash them when they get when they get obviously say dirty. Uh, I will uh, pop them into the uh, pop them in with my wash the uh, laundry, and uh, they come out clean. And uh, one sort of downside to that is that they get uh, harder. I think that they like say, at the factory where they make them, they put in some kind of, um, I don't want to say lubricant, I just said it, uh, they put in some kind of softener or some kind of um, uh, oil or something like that that makes them uh, not dry out. And one solution I found with uh, my earplugs is with these... uh, older but but clean uh, washed earplugs is sort of I'll uh, I'll put them in my hand and then blow into the hand like sort of warming the hand you know if you have cold hands and you blow into them and I've noticed that this uh, softens them up now I'm thinking you know maybe there's a way to get some kind of uh, make them make them softer without blowing in my hand. Uh, and I'm just going to step away from that. Anyways, so my creative space right now is it's in a corner. And what I've found, um, after having many different spaces, is that this one, it's um, providing this focus that... Uh, it's almost like, say, I don't have a wall to look at. I have this sort of movement, these two walls that are... It's almost like I'm sort of constantly traveling in this false um, perspective. And uh, so I've got a bunch of uh, books all crammed in there. I've got um, some pictures, uh, some sort of uh, positive reminders, uh, a couple uh, stones that I've collected uh, while traveling that that remind me of a place. Uh, One of them is uh, Versailles. Uh, So I've got this sort of, it's larger than a pebble, uh, so just a couple souvenirs, uh, a lighter from, uh, an uncle who was a journalist, 
Um, let's see. And then I've got some resources, um, books, dictionaries, um, a few a few reference guides. I find though that I don't use a lot of them, and maybe they're more. Maybe it's more about inspiration, maybe, that I, I sort of see them and it gets me going. I saw a article or blog post about the feng shui of a desk. And I think that works for you, if, you know, if you're of that culture and if you, if you subscribe to that, um, that point of view. But, but myself, like say I'm, uh, what is it? I'm, a, I'm objective rather than subjective, you know, because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't grow up with uh, feng shui or, or say if, if you're looking for some kind of order or structure, I, I guess it helps in, the, in that regard. But I, I don't look at, uh, I don't look at a messy space as a messy mind, and, and that was the upshot of the article on, you know, desk feng shui, and they had suggestions like, uh, what is it, um, uh, put your put your desk in the captain's position, which is facing the door. It's like all those shows where you go into the office and uh, the desk is facing the door. And that that's not the... I'm trying to think of, have I done that before? And sort of like, going, I think I have had a desk where it's facing the door. But that's not the relationship. Like, say, um, I, I don't have people... You know, coming in into the room where the the writing is happening, and uh, it's it's just me. Perhaps if I did have it facing the the door, I, I would be sort of more thinking, you know, of myself as the as the as the captain of the ship instead of uh, the hardworking crew. And two, I'm I'm sure that captains work hard. <clears throat> so uh, maybe that maybe that's something I'll try. Maybe I'll switch things around and you know try try being the captain. Uh for a long time, I'll go out for a walk, like I'm doing now, and um, where I live, people will put uh, furniture uh, out on the lawn. They'll usually slap a you know piece of paper on it that says "free," tape it on, and but say every so often, I'll. Uh, I'll be on, out for a walk, and it's almost like it's characters, right? Like, uh, you know, oh, here's this chair from the '80s, or here's the table from the '60s, and there's usually there's something wrong with them, but they're almost like people, like they have this sort of character to them, and it's almost like a conversation. Like they're, they're hanging out, they're waiting, uh, like strays, right? Waiting to get uh, taken home or just in that confused state of, uh, you know, where, where are my owners? <laughs> Why have they put me outside? Uh... 
and uh, currently I have a my 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 desk is actually this sort of triangle, so it actually fits into uh, the corner of the room, and it was much uh, it was much grander, but uh, like it had a a, a shelf that uh, rode on top, and I I removed that, and uh, just 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 for the desk for some reason it, it opened it up. Uh, and, I, and then I had access to the wall, which apparently I wanted. I, I wanted to tack stuff up, and just, yeah, I just I wanted to see the wall. Uh, and I have a picture that apparently it had something to do with um, penguin penguin books. Um, apparently they had put out these posters, but. This had a, a huge picture of the Tower of Babel and uh, a medieval painting, I guess. And it says something about um, the library. It, it's, what I like is it's a combination of uh, an image and then it has the, that the text changes the image sort of a, like a juxtaposition so you have two you know, two things that you know all of a sudden the Tower of Babel becomes a library uh, so I have that poster up behind uh, my monitor uh, <clears throat> and Yeah, I think the, the whole quote for that poster was uh, the library of every civilized person. And it's, for me, it's such an odd thing. You know, to It gets me thinking about a number of things. What is civilization? <laughs> How can the Tower of Babel be a library? <clears throat> And then I have my uh, computer. I have uh, just the monitors up top and the, the CPU. The actual computer is uh, down on the floor. And what else can I say about the computer? Uh, well, it, it's a, it's a, let's see, it's probably about 20 years old, I think. And it's not hooked up to the internet. What I noticed was that I kept I, I kept connecting to the internet, and I kept um, my attention was uh, not on writing or editing. <clears throat> so it's dedicated, and I've actually hobbled the computer so it doesn't connect to the internet, um, and I use a, a thumb drive to take files uh, back and forth to uh, a different computer that is hooked up to the internet. Uh, sometimes I'll have to uh, turn off my phone or leave my phone in a, outside of the writing room Sometimes I even consider uh, getting rid of my phone because it's uh, it's not that it's a distraction, it's more that I distract myself with it. And so at times I will consider uh, cutting myself off in order to in order to write. Uh, Let's see, what else? Sometimes I'll uh, leave a, a 
uh, a cup, so there'll be like a teacup or a coffee cup there. It doesn't get that, um, I don't think it gets that crowded. It might, other people might worry about that, but I'm not, uh, it seems to be more organic. Like, say, I'll organize when it's time to organize, and uh, I think a couple months ago, maybe during the summer, I I shared my uh, some photos of my desk and got to see some other people's desks, and uh, one writer was saying they didn't believe that other people's desks were so clean and organized. And I think I I don't know about that. You know, I, I clean up my desk uh, from time to time. It's not always um, ship shape. The other thing too is that I <laughs> I'll have layers. You know, like I'll have books opened up and sort of um, a pile of stuff going on and then I'll have to dig down but I I know where everything is uh, you know, say my notes and I'll have this kind of focus you know see different areas um, and every everybody has their own process uh, another author Jillian uh, who's in uh, Paris and she said it was when these photos of, of desks, writers desks writer spaces were going around and she um, she said she doesn't actually have one space that she moves from room to room so you know she's not in one one place And, and I'll sort of do that because we have another um, another computer and I will do uh, edits say you know or you know say sending out a first chapter things like that so I'll be you know in the living room on that computer uh, the room itself is it's pretty much a storage room, really. It's got some uh, bulk stuff in there, and then it's got uh, storage. I've got a big shelf in there um, with my manuscripts, uh, some, some books that uh, I'll probably never read. <laughs> Don Quixote. It's sort of like the plan. Uh, yeah, so that's that's my writing space uh, right now. <clears throat> A couple lamps. And, and too, that space is... It's in most of the um, YouTube videos that I've done. Uh, but what I've noticed is that uh, for lighting uh, that I will I will bring in this uh, extra bright LED light. It's got to be 100 watts. Uh, it is 100 watts at least. And then um, I'll actually uh, point, like tip tip the lamp over and point the lamp at my at where I'm going to sit, which is in this corner, and then uh, turn off turn off the monitor and turn off the two lamps. <clears throat> going going back in time, thinking about creative spaces. I remember a black and white photo of me as a kid, and that I had, I was, I had a comic book, I, I vaguely remember this, I, 
had a, I was think it was a Hawkman comic book, and I was a kid kid, and I was cutting up this comic book uh, to make my own comic book, which, which, which is sort of say, um, shades of things to come. But uh, I'm sitting um, probably at a kitchen table doing that. Uh, I'm just I'm just trying to think of um, sort of an like say a, an actual space that was dedicated to writing and. I remember when I had my first computer that so this is this is a PC this is but this is back in uh, the 80s early 80s and I remember that was that was pretty much in a in a corner facing a wall and there were shelves above and there was this small desk with this But it was mostly games, and I might have I might have done some poetry, but I do remember that there wasn't um, actually any fiction happening. Just maybe some really really bad poetry, and or just say you know poetry and not knowing how to shape it or pack it or. Um, not knowing anything about symbolism, just wanting to express. And that PC, it was a, it was an Atari. It was a an Atari personal computer. They had, they had um, video games with like say cartridges. But then they actually, re uh, they actually produced a personal computer with not a lot of memory and uh, it had uh, floppy disks so there's big big square uh, disks for um, backing up um, files and it did have a it did have a word processor and I had that computer until I think the mid uh, mid 90s and I had written a science fiction novella um, unpublished but it was it was you know that was the first actual story that I wrote of any of any length So now I'm thinking of um, creative space in the in the broader sense. In a weird way, it's a kind of altar. Uh, I, re I remember this. There's a quote somewhere. I don't know if it's um, Hemingway, but some writer said. You know, writing is simple. You just, you know, you just sit down at your typewriter and bleed. And it was something like that. And I, c I could never fathom that. I was sort of, what? You know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember. I don't remember bleeding. And I, I'm sure that it's exaggeration. Um, perhaps it's perhaps it's symbolism. Perhaps it's connecting to you know some kind of Judeo-Christian you know, references there. Uh, an act of martyrdom at the typewriter. Uh, 
in the best sense. Maybe it has to do with uh, ego death, you know, where you're, uh, you're letting go of me, me, me. And uh, who's to say? Who's to say? But there's uh, an idea in uh, theater of sacred space. Uh, and I, my mind is jumping a bit, but I taught... Not only was I in creative writing classes, but um, I guess it would be... About, it, it would be, say, about five years ago I was teaching... Um, creative writing classes and I uh, we we had this experience of um, and to as a student I had this experience of af- after after the first couple of classes we're kind of like a little tribe or something and uh, when an outsider came into the room, there was a bit of, not hostility, but sort of caution, right? That they had come into our space, you know, and we were at work on something, a particular something. And so it was, it was almost like, t- it felt like that reference to theater, where there's this idea of this stage as as the sacred space, and um, you're you're trusting these other people. Uh, you know, you're doing something that is uh, important to you. Hopefully, uh, you know this. You know, you're working on something that you're doing something that you can't really do with other people. Which, uh, <clears throat> which is a, a bit hard to um, describe, to explain. But if you think about it, you know, what, whatever your experience is, that you, at some time in your life, you've done something with a kind of team, whether it's sports or whether it's some kind of um, communal or community or um, some kind of activity where it's a group of people and and you bond a bit uh, you might be quite different I suppose too it's like say and to not as extreme as but um, say you know with soldiers and your your group or your unit, or mag- I was going to say magicians, but I meant musicians uh, who have gotten in sync, and for all of the um, I want to say ego, uh, almost like say a competition for leadership still there's a, a relationship but uh, I'm just thinking of that creative space and I'll describe the street. The um, where I'm walking right now, the uh, the light, the lights are on. The street lights are on. These sort of orangish, orange street lights, and they're casting these shadows. And uh, the uh, I can see the rain in the puddles. Ah, somebody's put up their Christmas lights. 
think, yeah, it's, it's the only house that I can see with Christmas lights. But that's, uh, you know, this is still November, so, uh, and it's pretty, it's pretty, um, I want to say effuse, but it's, there's a lot of lights that are up. And it looks like there's something on the roof. I think it's a Santa Claus, but he's fallen over, I think. An inflated Santa? Uh, it's a creative space. One of the creative areas that I had was during the 90s, and my uh, dearly departed uh, Corby Cuff, uh, Vancouver artist, uh, he took me in, and he uh, allowed me to write in his garage, and it just, it just allowed me a break and I could uh, focus on writing and turn my back on the world for a while. And I believe I was writing fantasy. Yeah, I was writing fantasy. And that writing space, it was a table that was meant for um, repair like, say, car repair, or carpentry, or tools. So it was all, you know, marked up and spattered with paint and burned. And it, it didn't matter. Uh, because it was, it was just so important for me. I was on a kind of grail quest. And it was important to me. Um, it sort of swept aside... Uh, pushed aside that sort of, you know, oh, I've got to have a really nice table, you know, to do my work. I was like, no, 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 I just got to do it. I just got to have the, um, you know, the, the time, the place, uh, and I was giving myself the time, and uh, the place, the place was offered. And I was, uh, yeah, I was able to do some do some good work, and it was really um, psychological. It was I, I was I was very conscious of being in my mind, and so it was not uh, just a story. And uh, say somebody else might, I think my. Uh, my brother read it, and he he um, and he said he preferred it of of my other work <laughs> that I that I had done. He was like, "Oh, you know, I like that fantasy." I think it too. I I had left that manuscript uh, at my parents' place, so it was there, and he picked it up and. Checked it out. Uh, so that was interesting, you know, because I hadn't, I hadn't expected interest. And that that was pre uh, pre college, pre university, um, pre film school. So, I'm doing for time. So we're on the road to wrapping this up. Well, one thing I remember um, Stephen King uh, in on writing mentioned his uh, his desk, and that at one point he had this huge desk, ornate and everything. And 
solid. It, it, it was like the whole uh, captain's desk idea, where you know it was in the middle of the room, and he's got the chair. And I'm sure it was facing the door. And uh, but eventually he realized that um, you know he's not. It's almost like say you're trying to impress yourself. Um, and so I'm, I'm. It's not paraphrasing, but I'm. I, I don't remember exactly what he said, but it was it was along those lines. It was a, a kind of ego trip, right? You know. Hey, you know, I've got uh, I've got a really good desk now. Where, whereas even with my experience, you know, writing in a garage, it has nothing to do with the desk. <laughs> you can you can write anywhere uh, with my portable manual typewriter. I, I took that thing everywhere, and uh, I could sit underneath a tree. Yeah, you know, no need to plug it in. But of course, you know, you need ink, you need paper, you know, a can of WD-40. Uh, so, creative space. Uh, along the way, I've I've had the opportunity to uh, paint. I had a nice experience painting, not necessarily um, with a rule book, uh, but I, I did find too that it was sort of reflective of, of what I was writing. And uh, the person who comes to mind, author that comes to mind that does that is Clive Barker, who is tapped into uh, the visual. Uh, but also, too, that's, you know, say from his theater days and then film making movies. Another reference to um, theater is like a famous um, theater director who possibly a playwright but he talked about um, the blank canvas or say the stage that there's an act of destruction and it's interesting because you know usually we don't think about that as far as the, the blank page where there is uh, infinite potential. And that, uh, you know, as soon as you start to put down uh, letters, these symbols, punctuation, that, that destroys uh, the infinite potential. And it uh, constrains it You create, but uh, you destroy what, what was before. In a weird way, we kind of lose that, say, by, by going digital. And, and yet we still have uh, a page, right? So there's still this digital you know, rectangle. Um, we still use the rectangle even though, you know, we could have... It, it, it's interesting to see, say, what, what direction we will go in. But perhaps, perhaps, that's, perhaps that shape is... It's, that it's not just... Like, say, seeing it less as a, a limitation and more of a, kind of a canvas. And I'm just thinking about, like, say, the self-publishing that I've done early on, where I manipulated the, the size of the, of the page 
um, you know, adjusted it so that it's not eight and a half by eleven or <laughs> whatever, whatever other measurements we have now. Because um, I think eight and a half by eleven isn't that isn't that inches? I think. And then there's there's the centimeters. So. creative space. I have I have uh, notebooks. Uh, so the shelf beside my desk, um, I have one shelf with notebooks that go back 30 years and uh, full of uh, rancid poetry, um, sort of woe is me stuff. Uh, there's a great, there's a great description. Um, if you study poetry, they'll talk about, um, there's a word for it, that type of poetry. And, uh, it's all woe is me and, you know, my dog is dead. It's, it's like sort of country music. Uh, but anyways, yeah. So I've got all that stuff. Uh, you know, loaded with codependency. Uh, just like everybody else. And, uh, but also uh, ideas, story ideas, thoughts. And it, in one way, it's odd that I've carried this stuff around. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not quite sure the purpose. Obviously, it's important to me, but at the same time, um, I don't, I don't go into those books, and I, I wonder if I ever will. Like, if I'll go in and say, you know, oh, I'm going to work on that poem. I suspect, though, that it's not a matter of that. It's more kind of like, um, you know, see, seeing your work, seeing the corpus, the body of your work, and that, that that's part of it. Uh, again, too, notebooks, it, it's like a portable uh, desk, you know, or an office. I remember talking with... Uh, one person, I don't know if they were a writer, but they, uh, I saw them with their notebook, and they were, they were reading, uh, what they had written, and I thought that was fascinating, I was just, I was like, oh, wow, like, this is, uh, to, to take, a, to take interest in, in one's own writing and comments and thoughts. I think there was a lot more uh, going on in that particular notebook. But I, I sort of suspect that it was kind of like a diary. And I like the idea of, say, you know, every, almost like, say, having a page with. 360, or uh, like a, a blank book with 365 uh, pages, and that, that every year you go through it again and again, and uh, sort of like a daily journal, but that, you know, you read, there's more space um, to sort of add notes, you, you know, you could add footnotes, you could... Uh, make adjustments, right, you know, well, things have changed this year, uh, I wonder about repetition, like, say, today in November, uh, you know, are things, uh, repeating, in a sense, why, I find myself watching archaeology shows, you know, at this time of the year, um, 
I haven't written it down, but I'd, I'd like to revisit and just, you know, does this happen every year? <clears throat> Is it possible to have a kind of self-dialogue? The desk of the future? Desk, the desk that I would like to have. I, I mentioned I mentioned the captain's desk a couple times, and I get it, um, but I'm I'm concerned about say the work and productivity, and the captain's desk seems to about to be about other people and what other people think um, and sort of having command being the commander perhaps for you know perhaps to be a um, successful and by that I mean paying the bills with writing um, perhaps you know one has to be the captain I'm not sure about that. But to have the um, to have the time and the space to have the place to write uh, to give yourself that time uh, that's that's what's important. I'm thinking about the whole uh, work to live versus live to work um, idea, and creativity. We don't give a lot of we don't give a lot of um, value uh, to that, and just just by say everybody being uh, a creative person. So, occasionally I'll, I'll, I'll meet somebody who's, who's living a creative life. You know, they just seem to ooze it. And everything that they do is interesting and creative. Like, uh, you know, how they dress and how they talk. Um, where they're going, what they're doing. Noticing an odd car, like it looks, <laughs> it looks like a hearse, and uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> That's not a, not a pleasant sight in the night, or at least the twilight. space. So, um, what about you? What's, you know, what's your creative space? Um, do you have one? You know, are you, is it a, you know, coffee shop for you? You know, that you don't have anything set up, but you prefer to get out into the shared world? And, uh, how do you block out the, you know, the, the scream of the espresso machine? Um, Say the the people who uh, you know want to chat, who sit next to you. you know, do you block it out with music? I saw I was on this sky train. Uh, this you know the tr the train here, the uh, part of the transit subway system, and it's called the sky train. And. Uh, I saw this guy, uh, he was sketching people, and he had his, uh, he had his headphones on and his earbuds, and so he was uh, sketching and glancing up at people, they would get off, and somebody new would come on, and so he would start sketching these people, and 
there was this um, sort of comic book cartoon quality to these uh, faces, the, the heads that he was drawing. So he was just drawing, drawing. And for the whole trip, you know, he was doing this for the whole trip, and I was thinking, he does this. He does this every day. You know, this is... I don't know if he's a professional, but he's... Um, that this is a, is a habit. And just sort of peeking, you know, it, it, looked, it looked great uh, to me. I'm, I'm sure there's, you know, people that don't prefer. And so that, that for me is a, an example of a portable um, creative space. And rather than, you know, numbing out, uh, you know, here's, here's this person who's, uh, I would argue, following their bliss. Um, it's not it's not a perfect setup, but um, you know it's. And two again, I don't know if he you know has a studio. I don't know if he's you know got canvases on the go at, at home. Uh, if he's a professional cartoonist, uh, if he's working, you know, say in the digital medium like video games. But uh, writers as well, um, I'll often take a notebook with me. Uh, I do a bit on my phone, but I like I like the tactile. Um, and too, I've been doing it for such a long time that it's it's familiar to be you know writing with a pen on paper. Uh, creative space. The other thing about the creative space is that the act of reading, yeah, this is a good way to end uh, this episode, is that the act of reading is engaging in this uh, sacred space. And it, it it's interesting that I'm using that term because uh, I prefer to translate it into the psychological, but um, it's, you know, using the term sacred, it's just so loaded, and, uh, but, you know, you, you, you talk to anybody who's passionate about stories, about books, about reading, and there's, there's going to be language used, and there's a passion that echoes, um, something, something sacred is going on, something, um, it's, 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 it's weirdly social. Uh, you know, you could be involved in a book club or you could be, you know, on the transit uh, or just somewhere reading. Somebody will look over your shoulder, you know, to sort of, uh, you know, oh, what's the title there? Um, you know, we're all, we're all guilty of that. But, uh, or maybe some of us are not, but I am. I, I do it. And... Uh, I, I, I like that. I, you know, expose my book and, and uh, you know, reveal, you know, yeah, yes, right now I'm reading Frankenstein, you know. Uh, so, yeah, so just, just ending it on that note of that, that the sacred space, the creative space where we are, uh, the psychological space where we're, you know, cranking out this stuff, and honing the story and polishing it, that it's it's actually it's actually a shared uh, space. That say, you know, later people are going to uh, participate it, participate in it, much like say, you know, how you go to a gallery and you're looking at a painting and engaging with it, and um, you know, perhaps it's not going to move you, perhaps it is going to move you. Perhaps you will be, um, you know, moved in such a way that you'll never be the same afterwards. Or that, you know, the, the change is so profound um, that it will motivate you towards transformation, right? That you will be, become more than you were. I, uh, I often use these, um, 
I can't remember what they're called, but they're almost like up-pointing arrows, and there's two of them. And um, I want to say they're, anyways, chevrons or something. But anyway, so there's two of these, and what what they are, they're called um, uh, smiley eyes or smiling eyes, and they're from uh, Korea. Uh, it, it's probably all over that area, like it's you know an Asian thing. I don't know if it. I think it would be called an emoji. Emojis before they were um, transformed into these um, graphics, right? So, the, so I'm sort of using one of these old-fashioned emojis, and kind of like a, a colon in a parenthesis. But uh, somebody asked me just the other day what they were, and I, I have been using them for a while, so I, was, I just assume everybody knows. And then I, I explained what it was, and I said, you know, now you'll never be able to unsee it. And that's kind of what it is with writing, is that, you know, you share this, and that, it, you know, it, it becomes known, this, you know, private, you know, it's a performance, right? And, uh, and then other people, you know, there's an audience. It's a weird thing. There's a privacy, and then there's this sharing. Right, say, you know, you read the book, and you're in this private zone where you can sort of unplug from the world around you, and you know, you're in transported to this other place. Thanks for listening. Take care. Keep up the great work.